0: All right, let's dive right into it and get into step one of the four-step system, which is the pre-hunt, everything that happens before opening day. And there's a lot that goes into this, and I think this is probably one of the most important sections because this is where most people fail. And I put this quote here because it is so, so true, and I and I, I really want to, to hammer home this, we question all our beliefs uh, except for the ones that we truly believe in and those we never think to question. So many of you have developed your system, whether it's right or wrong, and there's things that you don't agree with. You'll say, Oh, I don't need to e scout, or I know my unit. This is one of the worst ones is like what you think you know about a unit can be the detriment of why you're not as successful as you could be. Trust me. So I want you to question everything, uh, and we'll get into that, but I really need you to just think outside of the box and question everything that you've done and say, okay, how could I do it better? Because if you want to be more successful, maybe you need to change some of the habits that you've developed, right? So we're going to dive into that. Within the pre-hunt, we're going to talk about uh, things you can accomplish uh, as far as efficiency and effectiveness. This is huge, huge, huge. We're gonna th- uh, how to think bigger, how to how to utilize a unit or multiple units. Uh, we're gonna talk about getting data. Uh, I want to talk about the best week to hunt. Uh, at least, maybe why I don't think that's as important as other things. And we're gonna talk about e scouting a little bit. Again, this is gonna be how it pertains to building the four part system. In a different video, we'll do uh, how I do it and then break down a little deeper dive into like watch me do a full uh, e-scouting and how I go through that system. But within this, we're going to talk about how it pertains to the four-part system. And we're going to talk about hunt plans and things like that things like that. So, let's dive into it and not waste any time, get right to the nuggets. Okay, let's talk about efficiency versus effectiveness. This is so important. And I didn't put a ton of mindset stuff in here. Um, this is about creating a you know, my force part system to be more successful, to increase your success rate. This is the most important thing I could possibly think of to to help affect your success rate and efficiency. You know, I want to go through a lot of these things and it's about building systems. And this is the system you know for being successful as an elk hunter. But it's important, and I'm going to talk about efficiency and effectiveness throughout this entire four part system. So I want to bring it to your attention and I want to make you really think about you know, okay, am, are the things I do I am currently doing efficient? Are they effective and whatnot? So you know, efficiency is is doing the things right, but effectiveness is doing the right things. And there's, there's a subtle, but very serious difference there. Take stacking wood, for example, if I go and stack wood very efficiently, you know, I'm the best wood stacker there is. That doesn't really mean anything if I stack it in the wrong place and I have to do it again. Right. So you have to be effective. And I think within hunting, we're there, we it's pounded into people's head that you need to work harder, you know, push harder, hike farther, all these things. But If you just put your head down and hike as far as you possibly can, you're not really being effective as an elk hunter. So finding that balance between You know, working hard and grinding, but also being patient is really, really key. And that's gonna—I'm gonna talk about that throughout this entire piece, this entire four-part system. But I really want to hammer this home in the beginning to say, like, you—you need to like think about these things. Am I being efficient or effective? About creating systems that are gonna make you efficient. Like, you have to be really efficient if you're out to go elk hunting and it's your vacation, go to the beach, like do something else. Like if you're taking this course, you want to be successful as an elk hunter, then you need to be efficient and you need to be effective. Like that's, that's my last raw about it. You know, it's about doing the right things. And so as we go through this process, we're going to talk a lot about that and efficiency it, or effectiveness is doing the right things. Like what do we need to do? What's the smart move here? And we're going to talk a lot about that throughout the whole thing. Uh, but there's, there's an interesting thing within within hunting is that there's studies that show the longer a season is, the less successful people are. And that's kind of counterintuitive. But when you think about it, Parkinson's law says work expands to fill the time available for its completion. And I mean, anyone who's ever went to school knows that this is very true. Uh, we tend to wait till the last minute to do our homework. Uh, this happens within hunting. And I want you to be cognizant of it because if you develop a system, you can kind of bypass this. If you just go out and say, I'm going to go hunting and I hope I get one eventually, you know, you're going to kind of push everything to the end of season, right? You're going to like, maybe it's only a seven day trip that you have, but you, you're like, Oh, you're, you're kind of half assing it the first few days. And then all of a sudden it's like, Oh, I only got two days left. I got to hunt really hard. Remember that because you need to be hunting very efficient and very effective from the day you get there to the day you leave. And that is, So important. And I think that's a huge difference between those who are successful, those who kill every year, and those who kind of go elk hunting vacations and then wonder why they don't kill an elk. So hunting hard is one thing, but hunting efficiently and effectively, like those are different things. And we need to develop a system in order to do that. And that's one of the things we're going to teach you throughout this four-part series is like that. How do we develop a system? And I've interviewed probably most of the best elk hunters in the world. And they all have a very system, right? They've built that system. And a lot of that system gets developed by years and years of doing a thing. And that's great. You can spend 10 years and say like, oh, this is kind of just how it works out for me. But I think you can really circumnavigate that whole 10-year thing by saying, okay, how do I develop a system today? Like, How do I set a system? And this is what I'm going to do. And maybe the first year, it's a little bit rough around the edges, but the second year, it starts to get honed in. All of a sudden now, it's not like it took us 10 years to evolve into a system. We deliberately said, we're going to create a system that this is what we do, and this is how we execute. And I promise you, that one thing is gonna make you successful, and this is why I can say that here's the system I have, and it doesn't really matter whether it's a rifle hunt or an archery hunt or you know elk hunt or a caribou hunt. Like I can be successful because I have a system, and this is how I implement it, and it, here's the processes I run. And if that sounds too rigid for you, like then you're in the wrong boat. Like this is the wrong camp because we're about how do I become more successful, and. Uh, I don't want to take the art of L-cunning out of it, right? But at the end of the day, if you can have a system, you can have a process that you're going to run through, you're going to be successful and it's going to be more fun. I promise you. And I know this sounds very like, like this is... Uh, my vacation. This is my away time. I don't want processes and systems. I have that at work. I get it, but trust me, it'll make it more fun because you, you are just going to be more successful. You're going to get into more elk. You're going to get more opportunities. You're going to more at bats. And that's what we're going for here. We need more at bats to be more successful. So that is the difference. Or when we think about it, as we go through, I'll talk about this more, but just remember, are we being efficient? Are we being effective? Are we building a system? And I'm huge about systems. All right. Next, we got to get you to think bigger. The biggest thing I see, the biggest problem or the biggest uh, hurdle I see in 99% of hunters is they think, they just think very old school and they think I'm going to go set up this camp and I'm going to hunt X drainage, right? And they don't really think outside of the box. They're not looking at the bigger picture. One of the best things I ever did was start looking at a unit or two units whatever my hunt area was as not where elk are today but how elk used that entire mountain and that made me like okay now i'm looking at the whole mountain and not just you know everything within a mile of my camp that's such small thinking and i think once you start looking bigger and trying to figure out okay where are the elk moving up and down the mountain which, how many herds are there on the mountain? Which herds can I chase today? You know, like all these pieces to the puzzle. Once you start looking at the whole puzzle, you start to understand things. And that's when you really can say, okay, I can I can have opportunities every single day because I'm not just hunting one herd that I know about. And that's the only herd I, I know about. So I really want you guys to start thinking bigger. And this is a part of this exercise. We're going to get you thinking really big. And when I start thinking bitter, bigger, you know, I think about it, in kind of a group of three, right? So for me, it's like, I have three core areas. I develop my three core areas after hours and hours of research. And those core areas will change even throughout the year. Like as more data comes in, I'm getting three areas. And, and maybe if I'm brand new to a unit, those units are, or those core areas are miles apart, or maybe they kind of start to hone in. And I know that like, when I, when I hunt, unit, whatever, one, two, three, that these areas are pretty close and I can bounce between them. And that's very efficient for me, right? So I'm being efficient. I'm being effective by having these three core areas. The next thing is like, I want to think about what are my three contingencies. And even in areas I know very, very well, I want to have three contingency backups because you just never know what's going to happen. We've all, had areas where we hunted for years and all of a sudden, you know, a freak snowstorm or just some pressure or whatever, a drought maybe like those things affect those areas and so we could think we have the best three places and man, there's always elk in these places, but I always have an, an additional three contingencies. And when I think about contingencies, honestly, I'm I'm looking at the the natural resources, uh like that's a huge one. So feed, water, you know, what where am I going to hunt? Like I have my three areas, but where am I going to hunt if it's a drought year? Where am I going to hunt if they're not using the same food sources? This happened to me last year. It was like, I thought I knew an area and all of a sudden the food source changed and it was like the elk were gone, right? So what's my contingency for a completely different food source? The next one is pressure. We've all been there, like, man, the area, even the spot I thought I'd never see anybody, someone shows up to. So we have to have a contingency plan for those things. Uh, Another one is snow. This happens quite a bit. You know, you're like, oh, I got all these hunt plans and these three areas that they have, I think they'll have elk or they have elk, but all of a sudden you get nuked with snow and you realize that all of your core areas were about the same elevation and now you have to find somewhere new you have to find somewhere lower uh within i you know maybe it's an elevation thing maybe the elk are up high maybe they're down low you know and so like i want to have contingencies plans that fall for all of those and and we're going to get into developing your plan and system but like this is all a part of how do i think bigger how do i And the next piece of that is how do I balance this mobility versus, you know, being efficient as a hunter uh, and remoteness and whatnot. You've probably heard me talk about this, but when I look at contingency plans and even within my core three, I want to know, okay, is this remote enough that I'm not going to deal with people? but is it mobile enough that if there's a huge problem I have a backup plan right so within that contingency plan is is maybe there's like something I can just drive to if the roads get too wet and I can't get around that's happened to a lot of people is you know okay mud uh, or whatever it's, you know uh, mud's a big one like i've had areas where i couldn't even get to where any of the places I thought I was going to get to because it rained so much that you just couldn't get around in that country. So, you know, when we think about having those three, uh, core, uh, th- three, three core areas have three contingency plans. You're really just balancing like, okay, what is my hunting style? Do I need to be more mobile? Do I need to be more remote and having backup plans for all these variables? This is really the difference between having a plan when shit hits the fan and not. Because the reality is is like we all go on hunts and something happens, uh, you know, whether it's weather, whether it's people, whether it's, you know, some other variable, there's no elk. And we need to have a lot of contingency plans. And the difference between someone who has contingency plans and someone who doesn't is the guy that picks up and goes home because there's no elk, there's too many people, XYZ excuse. And, And when you have those contingency plans, you're less likely to give up, throw in the towel, whatever it may be. You're going to have like, okay, I can fall back to here. These are elk. I, I've been there myself. Like you get to the end of season and you're like, I just don't even know what to do. The elk aren't here. They're not talking, whatever. But if you have multiple plans laid out, and this all happens preseason, then you have the ability to fall back on those plans. And that's the, the like thinking much bigger, thinking in different parts of the unit. So I want to really, really remember that. All right. I want to talk about doing your homework. So doing your homework is, I think everyone talks about it, but not very many people do it and they don't do a very good job of it if they do. So when you, when it comes to planning your hunt, doing all this work, all these things, like we put so much effort into elk season that I think it's so worth, putting in the effort to make a few phone calls. Right. And I know it's scary talking to people and all this, but, but doing your homework is, is getting new data and we'll get into why new data is so important. And as we develop our plan, this is a part of it. But if you have the ability to go find out anything, man, it can be the difference uh, between just trying to stumble through the woods for years or, or being on elk every day, you know, essentially it boils down to doing your homework Calling these people is going to give you new data, which is going to give you more at-bats. You're going to get more at-bats. You're going to be more consistent, and you're going to have more success, right? You're going to have more options. That is for sure. So I'm going to break this into three pieces, and it's like for me, uh, it's a call to the biologist. The biologist knows everything you ever wanted to know about that unit. It's just about asking the right questions or building the right relationship. Uh, Most people call a biologist, and they say, well, uh, is there elk in such and such drainage? you know, and he's gonna be like, ah, yes, or no, or, you know, whatever. As soon as you start asking these questions that are just the same questions he's been getting, he's going to lead you down the same, you know, rabbit hole that he kind of gave everybody else who called him. So it just, it's not good enough to call the biologist. You want to be thinking about that big picture. So we just talked about big picture. How do, how do the elk move in this mountain? That's like, I'm more curious from a biologist and he's going to, be more receptive. If I say, Hey, you know, I've studied this a little bit. Here's, here's my take on it. You know, I want, I'm just kind of curious, how do elk move in, in this mountain range or how do elk move in this area? Uh, are they moving 20 miles? Are they moving two miles? Like what are your elk doing? This biologist knows these elk very, very well. And while if you ask him, if there's, you know, elk in Rock Creek, he's, he might say yes or no, it'll tell you to go here. Like, I'm really curious from the biologist's perspective, what I really want to know is the big picture, like how are elk moving on this mountain? What ranches are they utilizing the most? Uh, even if I don't plan on hunting the border game, I want to know, like, where are these elk are going in September? Where are they running? Where do they winter? Like, this may be an archery hunt, and nobody asks these questions, like, hey, what are these elk wintering at? You know, how hard was the winter? You know, uh, how good is the feed? You know, what are these elk feeding on? Just knowing there's food sources, right? Yeah, you know, it's like. Uh, water seems like it could be an issue up here. Is an issue or is it not? And he might be like, actually, there's kind of water everywhere. Such and such creek runs all the time. You know, all these little data points are going to help you develop a better plan. And so, asking the biologist the right questions is so easy. And and if you can ask him for collar data, like they might give you the collar data for that area if they have it. And that could tell you everything you need to know. Like it's going to tell you, man, look, the elk are you know, migrating from here to here. Seems like in the summer, they really hang out in this area. Like it blows my mind how many years I went without knowing that for whatever reason. And just now it's like, oh man, it's so easy to get. And it's like, this changes everything. So that's a huge, huge piece of it. The next one is tag holders. If you have a limited entry tag and uh, in an area that, you know, maybe people don't get a hunt every single year, a tag holder is a huge resource. I mean, how many times have you been on an elk hunt and said, oh man, if I could do that again, I would I would crush that hunt. Well, talk to the person who did it before you because then you get the opportunity. And, and you know, one of the uh, big secrets to this is like talk to non-residents because uh, in a lot of states, you know, residents aren't gonna give up information to that state but a non-resident may not ever hunt it again. So he doesn't really care. And you have to take it with a grain of salt, like for sure. But uh, a lot of it is like, does this back the data that I'm getting from other resources? Does this back, you know, the, what I talked to the biologists about. Uh, And most people will give you a lot of information. You'd be really surprised. Yeah, you'll talk to some people that don't, but I think if you called five or 10 people, you're gonna get a lot of answers. And I think the best resource for this is is probably Huntingful. you know, hunt fools has a list. So if you get a tag in New Mexico or whatever, you can call every single person that's ever had that tag uh, on their list. And, and I tell you what people will give you a ton of information. Again, it's not everything like maybe, you know, they weren't a very good hunter or whatever, but like, it just gives you a little bit more data, a little more data. So as we develop our plans, it's going to get better. The last resource I'll use is outfitters, but probably not like you would think. Um, I don't, generally call outfitters that guide on public land. I'd rather call uh, uh, outfitters that hunt private land because the, outfitter that has public land is not going to tell you anything and if it may be even worse than nothing he might tell you the wrong data so uh you know they have an interest i respect that uh but the the outfitters that guide on private it's it's generally worth giving them a call uh because they don't really have they don't really hunt the public it's not their cup of tea and sometimes they'd rather hunt, have you hunting the public because he's just going to push them to private so a lot of times you can figure out information. That's someone who knows the area, that someone that knows hunting, uh, they, they know what's going on in the area. And so again, does it back what I'm finding with, uh, what I talked to on the biologist? Does it back what I, what I heard from other hunters? And, And it's just simple phone call. And you know, you can learn so much from that. Another good tip is to look at Outfitters websites. You know, are they killing good bulls? Are you know how big are they killing? You know, all these things like can tell you a lot about that area just based on you know their brochure. Like you can see a lot of that data, uh, just what's on the internet, right? And how easy is that to just go uh, check every outfitter's website that's in the in a, in a unit that you're going to go to? Uh, it's worth worth a worth an investigation because you never know what one piece of data could change everything for you. So when it comes to homework, those are kind of the three that I use. There's other ways to do it. Uh, but those are pretty key. Like I want to know where actual elk were not hypothetical. I think we can all look at a map and say like, Oh, this North face or that, whatever. And Oh, look at these, this feed source or this water source. But none of that means anything. If you don't have a big picture, for how the elk are using the entire mountain, you know, I've learned so much from looking at data and saying like, oh man, these elk really move, uh, from here to here. And like this, this, this Canyon seems to be stacked with elk all summer. That's a really good resource. Even before I ever put boots on the ground, I have completely changed my plans based on some data that I've gotten. So focus on that. All right. What's the best week to hunt? I get this question all the time and I hate it because everywhere I've ever hunted is a different week. It's a different tactic. Uh, some areas are good one week, some good, or first week, some areas are good last week. Some, some places are good in October. So I, I really don't like this question, but I know a lot of you, most of you will probably only have a week to hunt and this matters to you, right? Like this really matters. I think, if you really want to double your success rate, double the time in the field. This is first and foremost the most important thing. Start designing your life or figuring out how to get that a little bit more time. If you're in the weekend camp, figure out like how to, if you want to talk to me about how to get more time off uh, or any of those things. Like I would recommend, you know, at least 10 days to hunt elk. If you want to be successful, I get it. Not everyone has that ability. And a lot of people only get to choose one week. And so when I think about this, I, I really don't say, okay, here's the best week to hunt, you know, no matter what. Because at the end of the day, it has more to do with hunting style. From week one to week four, my hunting style changes massively throughout those time periods. And so for, for me, I the first question is like, okay, what is your hunting style and hunting area and how does it map? So it's important to spend, if you have one hunting area that you spend a lot of time in, I think it's important to kind of figure that area out when it's good, when it's not. But I, I usually... Uh, I, I lean towards these two weeks. These are the two weeks that I would recommend to most people uh, if you had to only choose week. And I hate to say that, but I want to talk a little bit about the difference between say week two and week three. And these are only exaggerated if you want to go week one or week four. And there's some there's some pros and cons there. So when we think about uh, week early season versus you know, late season, and that, that's kind of, when you talk about two and three, it's not exactly true. But I think about you know, you have to be more patient. It's a slower game in week two. And in week three, generally speaking, you know, that's supposed to be peak rut week, uh, that changes between area and and all these other variables. And that's why it's really hard to time. But when I think about it, it's like, okay, week two, you know, I'm going to be targeting probably a larger area I'm going to be around kind of where the cows were all summer uh, and where they're working right then. It's going to be a little bit slower uh, of a hunt. I know that, but I also know that there's a really good opportunity to kill bulls because uh, the pecking order hasn't really fixed itself yet. You know, bulls are still trying to challenge each other. They're much more likely to come in. They're going to be less pressured, but overall it's going to be a slower game, right? It's going to be less action. And that there's obviously, um, you know, there's times where it's chaos and second week, second week, just as a general is a little going to be a little bit slower. You know, when I think about if you want to get into the calling game, calling sets are going to be longer. This is a huge difference for me. It's like, I'm going to work into an area and I may do cow calls for 10 minutes before I ever rip off a bugle. And I may call for 20, 30 minutes at a set before I ever get an answer. Whereas say peak rut let's say into third week, I may just locate bugle and see if there's anything there and expect an answer right away. And so these are kind of just like, it, it to me is more about your hunting style and what's going to map to you better than say, I don't know, like, you know, what's the best week to choose. So think about like, what's your hunting style and the area you're going to go to, right? Uh, if you're in, in an area that's uh, super thick, it can be tough to get into, you know, follow those rutting elk and those uh, rut fest type things because like you can't see very far. Right. And so, uh, back to week two, I'm going to be sitting water, you know, like in the evenings, like I may, if it's early season and it's hot, I I may not be trying to just locate bulls all evening because I know they're not going to talk till right before. So maybe it's more productive to, to glass and find out where elk are, uh, because then I can move in on those elk, you know, and kind of make a game plan. So to me, it's like, uh, I'll do more, more of the slow play stuff. Week two is another good time. To, to do blind calling, to do those blind raking, to to get in that timber patch and do those. And we'll talk about midday tactics and whatnot, but you know, a lot of those slower play type setups where I may set up in a, you know, a known betting area. I know there's usually elk in here. There's elk sign in this timber patch and I'm going to set up and I'm just kind of do some blind sets. That second week of season, if you understand what's going on is like you had, Bachelor herds out on their own. You had cow groups on their own. You know, there's probably a younger bull that came in and he's running the herd right now. But eventually, those bigger bulls are going to start to filter in and try to find, you know, some cows. Maybe you got a couple cows coming into heat. And so, what you have is like kind of just a shifting uh, between that summer pattern and that fall rut fest, right? So, you're going to have a lot of just movement. You're going to have a lot of like low key elk checking stuff out and this is where you get a lot of those bulls coming in silent and you know coming in slow so it's not a rut fest I'm gonna go challenge bugle type time frame if that's what you if that's what you want it's gonna be closer to the, you know the end of the season I'm gonna try to move people away from that but uh you know that's the kind of the differences whereas in week three you know I'm gonna have shorter call sets I'm covering more ground because I'm expecting elk to be screaming. And I I, I kind of know that if I get into elk, there should be rutting pretty good. Some of this is going to depend on temperature and, and a lot of other variables and things like that. You know, but those are kind of like what I expect out of those weeks. So think about what you expect out of a hunt and not necessarily what what's going to be the best week as far as uh, more kills. I think there's probably more... Kills in week three, but I wouldn't say I I would expect people to be more successful or less successful in a week two or a week three. It just massively depends on the area and the type of hunt you're doing. So, food for thought, it's more about what matches your system. And so, we're gonna talk about building systems. What's going to match your system and your style of hunting? You know, that's a week two situation, then go week two. I would say one of the downsides that I tend to avoid is that week three is packed with people. Like when most people think about going in September, and this is something to think about, if you're in an area that is notorious for having a lot of people, I would shy away from week three and I would really hone in on week two. I used to like week four, but you get a different type of elk, you know, you just, you get an elk that's been messed with and, you know, all those people came in week three. And to me is like week three is great. If you can get away from people and you want that chaos, the bugling, I don't think it's any more successful. Like, I don't think you're, you're, your success rate's going to go up per se, just based on that. I th- as long as you change your tactics from week two to week three, I think they should be roughly. I actually, my favorite week is kind of that second week of season and we'll get into moon phase and things like that. But, you know, first week, a lot of elk get killed on water. A lot of elk are just haven't been messed with. And so, you know, you can find success in any of these time frames. If I had to choose a week though, I would base it on, week 2 because we, i would take both though i mean right in the middle there that that week 2 week 3 because i'm going to focus i like the transition between okay it's a slower pace again or slower pace of hunting and rut activity there's elk moving into an area and you're kind of catching that first like just chaos hoping to catch a few uh rut fest by this, or at least one rut fest by the time i leave you know that's kind of like the to me the best time frame if you want to be successful, because you're going to have a lot of at-bats from just satellite bulls cruising. You know, they're interested. They don't necessarily know who's around them or whatever. And so like, you just get a lot more opportunities that way. And so when it comes to deciding on a week. So does moon phase matter? Man, uh, this gets talked about. I think this is the most overhyped thing, honestly. Uh, All the successful hunters I know, I would say 99% of them don't really care like about it. It's like, not like they're not going to hunt because of moon phase. Uh, for me personally, I don't necessarily love, you know, that weekend where that, you know, three day period where it's full moon, but I don't think it would not. It would push me away. So I want to I want to kind of dive into that because I think people talk about it a lot. And and so if you think about what's really happening, you know the the downside to a, a full moon is that elk are very active at night. Uh, I tend to feel like elk are very active at night anyway, but elk are more active, and so in theory they're more shut down in the daytime. When you have a full moon. I don't necessarily. It doesn't bug me as long as it's you know, cool, <laughs> or uh, peak rut or all those things. Like that's not going to change a whole lot this year, particularly. It's going to be 2022 where a moon phase is kind of on the 10th, and that's usually one of my favorite time frames. So that moon phase is going to be uh, well, you know, maybe I'll go right after that moon phase, and so this is where. You know, you probably heard people talking about waning and waxing moon. Is the moon getting bigger or getting getting smaller? And so, I would prefer a waning moon, all things considered. But I don't, I don't wouldn't base my entire hunt around that. If that that makes sense, you know, when you have that early season, elk aren't very active anyway. Match that with a full moon, and it's really going to be very slow days for you. And so, that's the only thing that's like, okay, we should probably avoid that. But if you can figure out a hunting style that's going to match that, you know, you're going to be sitting in water or you're going to be able to you know, like hunt open country, you'll be able to you know, spot and stock, those things. Uh, the moon isn't really going to matter all that much. So I, I think it's, it's over height. I tend to focus on what week I want to hunt uh, and, and what time period based on what style matching that area. So as I develop my plan, my four-step plan, Moon phase doesn't go into it a lot. I would say this year, I like the 10th through the 20th, which normally I would say the 5th through the 15th. So there's a slight twist there, but not much. So that's the only thing I would say is like, keep in the back of your mind, but don't overthink it. It's not the end of the world. If you develop a system and you have a plan and you keep mapping new data into that plan, it's not gonna be the end all be all it's a slight tweak and that's about it. All right, so in this video, we're gonna dive into e-scouting and my e-scouting system. Now, for the record, we're gonna be talking about e-scouting and how it pertains to my four-step system. And in a later video, we'll dive into I mean, we'll sh- I'll show you exactly how I do it from start to finish. It'll be a much longer video, but I want to show you kind of like my system for for e-scouting. Mapping all these things. Um, and I know some people get turned off by the term e-scouting. They'd rather put boots on the ground. But when I think about e-scouting, it's mainly just I'm, I'm maps. That's it. You know, I'm looking at maps. I'm trying to figure it out. Um, and to me, this is a very core part of why I have any success. And I think uh, all the successful hunters I've ever talked to, you know, they understand maps very well. They're looking at maps. Uh, they're trying to get that bigger picture. And so when I think about, okay, e-scouting, I spend a ton of time e-scouting. But I'm really trying to figure out pieces to the puzzle. That's what I'm doing. And so, my system for e scouting, which I'll, I'll show in detail, um, and I'll go e scout an entire unit for you guys. But for this, for the purpose of this part of it, is to show you, like, okay, the next step of pre hunt is to kind of map everything out. And then we're going to go build plans off of that. But first, you know, we need to, to, dive into the weeds and figure out what we can figure out about this unit before we ever step foot in it. Because the practicality of it is, is that I couldn't go, I could go hike around in the unit, but it would take me a lot longer. And if the unit was close to my house, that'd be something I'm interested in or it would be doing. But most of the places I hunt are farther away from the house. I don't get a lot of time and I'll still go scout, but I, I use scouting more as research or trying to find new pieces of data than I do necessarily trying to learn the unit just by foot. I can learn a lot more faster by looking at Google Earth or Onyx or whatever and trying to figure it out. And so I think about e-scouting in three core phases. And these phases gets rinsed and repeated, you know, as, as more data comes in. And so when it starts out and it starts out as research, and I'm just trying to figure it out. Now you could look at this broadly as saying, like, I'm trying to research what unit I'm going to go to. You could look at it and say, okay, I picked a unit and I'm trying to figure out where area to go to, or, or you could say like, uh, which drainage I'm going to hunt. Like it gets more granular as time and and development goes on with the process, so everything for me starts, you know, starts with research phase. Uh, whether it's figuring out data for you know a unit, trying to figure out those uh, access, like all these things, um, elk populations, like all these numbers that I'm trying to figure out. So that's what I'm pouring into research. Once I've decided on a place or maybe even like a potential place, I'll start exploring. And I spent a ton of time on the map just looking. And I'm just kind of exploring stuff, looking for those features, looking for terrain types, looking for those pieces that look elky to me. And I know for a lot of people they are like, oh man, that just doesn't make sense. Um, and I'll kind of go through that. But essentially I'm going to spend a lot of time exploring and then I'm going to hone in a little bit, right? I'm going to try to dive a little bit deeper into a smaller area. Then I'm gonna go back and start all over and say, okay, now try to find some new data. Try to find some new research. Uh, maybe that's like I cho- I chose a unit and now I'm I'm diving into like, okay, let's let's get a little more granular. Maybe I go talk to the biologist and figure out a little more information. And then I'm gonna go back to the maps. And so it's this constant process of these three phases: research, explore, hone. Research, explore, hone. And even once I once I get to boots on the ground. It, it goes back to the drawing board. Like I, I may go out and scout something, right? I'll go check a couple glassing points and like, oh, I can't really see what I can, thought I could see. It goes back to the map. And then, you know, I went and got some research. I got some new information. I'm going to do a little bit of exploring and kind of hone in that system. And all I'm doing is trying to hone in the exact place uh, that I want to hunt, or maybe you know hone in on how I can best be efficient and effective in that area. You know, by lapping in certain different uh, hunts or you know trails that I'm like, okay, I can get to here from this glassing point. I can see a lot of this, so and I'm really just trying to hone in on what it is. So it starts very very big in selecting a unit. And then it works in to try to figure out what the elk are doing, where they are and all those things. So it's a constant process of research, uh, explore and hone. And, and I think, you know, it's like you have to dive into it, right? With every new piece of data, you really reanalyze and go back to the drawing board and say, okay, you know, now that I know this, or man, this waterhole, does that change anything? And again, we're just trying to get the bigger picture. Where are these elk and what are they doing? As I'm e-scouting, A lot of times I'll I'll use, and I'll show you this in the video, but I I use the area shape tool. And this is just with Onyx, whatever system you use, but with Onyx, I'll use the area shape tool and I'm just just circling big areas that I like. And I'm saying, okay, this is kind of, it's got my eye. It's got a little bit of interest, right? And so I may just circle areas and I may keep looking at a 30,000 foot view and saying, okay, this has definitely got some potential. This has got some potential. And I start honing, right? And then like, then I'll dive into those areas. So as basic as it sounds, is like find elk in the state of Montana is a really, really big task. But once you narrow it down, you're like, okay, I'm only going to find elk in unit one, two, three, then it's like, okay, that's a little bit smaller. So it's at least a little bit more manageable. Right. And then once I start like, okay, I'm going to look at these three core areas. These are kind of like between access. And it looks like they got some good feed, you know, like it's got all the pieces of the puzzle. Then I can hone in on those three areas. Right. And so like, all I'm doing really is taking a massive piece of ground. That's kind of insurmountable to, to go look for elk. And I'm narrowing it down and I'm narrowing it down and I'm narrowing it down until I get to a manageable size. Right. I'm just taking bite sizes. And then from those core areas, I can, I can make better hunt plans as I go and hone and hone. And realistically, like, once I have say three core areas, now I can go to a biologist and I, you know, I can show him that I've done her some research or I figured something out or, you know, have actual questions instead of saying like, I'm hunting unit one, two, three, what can you tell me? They're not going to tell you anything. So for me, it's like, I got to do, I got to do a little bit of the work to prove that I know what I'm talking about. Uh, and that I'm serious. And then, you know, whoever I talk to is going to have a lot more data. And the same goes for talking to prior tag holders if you just called a prior tag holder and you didn't know where they were talking about, you can't really get into the granular questions. They may be like, Oh yeah, we were over here by such and such Creek and, and oh, we saw this and this. And if you know where that is on the map and you're looking at the map as you're talking to them, it's, you know, you can put those pieces together. Whereas if people are just rattling stuff off and you've never even looked at the unit, it's going to be hard to ask deeper questions. It's going to be hard to know what they're talking about. So for me, it's like, Even if I don't want to hunt, I don't know if I want to hunt a unit, I'm going to go through this process at least once of research, explore, and hone, and I'm just going to kind of get a rough outline. I want to kind of know some pieces of the puzzle uh, before I ever even start diving in, and then it just becomes rinse and repeat. Okay. So the next piece of the puzzle for me, um, again, it's going to, there's a lot that goes into that research, uh, explore and hone. And, you know, that may include a trip to the unit to check access, to check all these things. But once I'm, I'm decided like, okay, here, here's where we are. Um, and these are my three core areas. You know, I have those three areas. Maybe I even have three contingency plan areas, right? Like I got, I got a pretty good idea of what I'm thinking. I think it is so important to build your hunt plans. And, I get that everything could change on day one, but this is why I say the process is more important than the product. The process of going through these areas and, and getting granular about the details of what that hunt looks like is very impactful and can change a lot. So on one hand, I've seen a lot of people who say, Oh yeah, I'm going to go to this trailhead and you know, I'm going to hunt up where I used to hunt and you know, we'll see if we get into elk. That, you just, I can know so much more about a hunt by diving into that with granular plans. That I say, okay, I'm gonna map these two uh, glassing points together, or I'm gonna, you know, here's my route that I think I can work this basin and bugle and see if I can locate an elk in there, uh, or you know, where where I'm, I can work out all the details of that hunt before I ever step foot. And the, what that really does is it allows me to scout three times faster when I hit the ground, right? Because I know all of these plans and it's not just me wandering around trying to figure it out. Because the difference is if I have seven days to get something done and I'm spending five of them just wandering around trying to figure it out versus me having all these hunt plans laid out, I can go and say, I'm gonna execute these five hunt plans probably in two to three days. And I'll, I'll know what's in that area or if I need to move or, or change data. Right. And that's going to give me a bunch of more data points that I can go back and say, okay, now with all this new information, how do I change my home plans? How do I, how do I go back to the e-scouting and say like, okay, what was it about that previous plan that worked or didn't work? And I can change it. Right. So for me, it comes into first starting with areas of interest too, which is to me, like more grant, like more tight, tight, areas like this particular drainage, right? I'm going to look at this drainage. uh, And I really like these features. A lot of the features say maybe it's like, I I think it's going to have really good food sources for that time of year, um, those type of things. So I'm looking for smaller areas versus You know, when I, when I circle an area of interest, it may be like the west side of a mountain on the first one. And then when I dive into it, it's like, okay, rock creek drainage. I really like this drainage, you know, then I'm building routes. Like, how do I get to that glassing point for that rock creek drainage? How do I get into that bedding area? Um, And those type of things. And so once I start laying out those routes, I can really say like, oh man, here's the best way. To link all these pieces together. So that, like three or four good glassing points. And maybe I subtract one of those glassing points, but I add one over here because I'm like, man, if I just stick on this route within a day, you know, an evening and a morning, I could probably tell you whether there's elk in that drainage or not. So it's really important for me to like map my routes out and figure that out instead of just showing up and trying to like play guess and check. It's just a waste of time. And it, again, it's like, how do we be effective and efficient and to me, like building your hunt plans, building your routes, all those things are really, really important. And again, like getting into the last piece of that, I'm going to have three to five, maybe even more three to five in that core area of here's my routes. Yeah. Maybe it's a six mile loop and I'll be able to tell you if there's elk in that area or not after I get done with that loop. And then I can go do another one and another one and kind of rinse and repeat. And even within that, you could take that into say scouting, or you could take it into hunting. If I show up a week before season, I could go make two or three of those routes on a two-day trip, on a weekend trip, and say, okay, there's elk in here. There's not elk in here. Let's go back to the drawing board. Now let's go back to you know research, explore, and hone. Let's explore some new areas. Let's go check out some of this stuff. And when you take that unit, unit one, two, three, and we break it down like that, you know, it's like we're being systematic about searching for these elk. And then once we find those elk, we can kind of lay out a bigger plan of where they're going, what they're doing. Um, It's just going to give us so much more data on that herd uh, of elk and where they're going, right? And a lot of this is going to take a little bit of time to figure out, but once you have a system, it's like, you can just go step one, step two, step three, and rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat until you find more herds. And then that's how you get to having two, three, four, five different herds of elk that we can, we can hunt or go after. And one of the things you're gonna notice is that a lot of my e-scouting is based on our step two of the plan, which is finding elk. And that's, to me, the hard part is like, I need to find those animals I need to be stupid aggressive and work really quickly in finding those elk. So a lot of my e-scouting isn't like, I think there's going to be elk here and here's exactly how I hunt it. I'm trying to develop a system for being really efficient for finding elk because at the end of the day, you want to be successful. You want to kill a lot of elk. You got to find enough elk to get at bats, right? And so for a lot of my hunt plans, I'm designing around getting to a unit. And trying to figure out where the elk are and trying to find two, three, four, five herds of elk that I can hunt and get on, right? So I'm not just showing up and hoping to find elk. When I when I hit the ground, like it's all all in, man. We're all in and we're going after we're gonna find some elk. And so like that's where I develop my hunt plans. A lot of my e scouting is like I want systems so that when I show up, I don't even have to think. I'm just executing plans and I'm gonna find those elk like within a day or two. That's the best case scenario. One of the things I want to touch on is, you know, as you'll see in the later video, when I kind of do a breakdown of how I e-scout a unit is I use a lot of folders. And I'm a huge fan of folders because I do think having so many waypoints and so many pens on your map can be very, very distracting. And I think it's as important to take things off uh, because those are skewing your view of what you see. Uh, Just in as a plan, right? Like if you have points all over this drainage, your eye is gonna like hone in on that drainage, and you're gonna you're kind of overdeveloping just based on that having all these pens and all these previous. uh, You know, maybe it's like you've hunted the unit before. This this happens to me actually. Uh, If I have a bunch of pens on places I've seen elk, I tend to hone in on those places and not have a fresh slate, right? It's important for me to keep all these in in folders so then I can hide them from myself. Like that sounds ridiculous, but you know, I'll have these areas of interest and I'll be able to put that in a folder and hide it. Same with like elk sighting, say I go on a scout trip and I put a bunch of places I've seen elk, that's all going in a folder and that folder I can hide. So then when I relook at the map, I'm saying I'm kind of starting, being able to start from scratch, being able to look at it with a clean slate and not have previous encounters uh, change my perspective of what I'm looking at. For me, there's a unit I've hunted for two or three years now. And I noticed that the first couple of years, I was really honed in on the same places over and over. Well, it's because I had all my pins, and I had all this like data on those places. So I would put them in folders and say, OK, let's clear the slate and start from scratch. What do we know? And it, all it took was talking to a biologist and getting their perspective on something and only looking at the map with that layer of data on, which was like, okay, this is what the biologist told me. And I only had that layer based on that layer. Like now, how do I e-scout it? And this for me is like, it's being able to like clear all the data that I've had whether it was from previously hunting it myself or previous research and things I thought to be true, but like clearing that away and saying, okay, let's look at the map with a fresh set of eyes. And everything going into this year has changed because I'm like, oh, okay, this is completely different than what I had seen, right? And so just gathering that data, putting them in folders. And I, I like the folders because it keeps your system very organized. Yes, but also because I can clear it away and be able to look at the map. And another like cool tip that I've picked up is almost, you know, a lot of this you'll see is, is trying to think outside of the box. You have to, you're hunting. I mean, you're playing against elk for kind of, but you're also playing against hunters. You need to look outside the box. You need to think outside of the box. So you're doing things that other hunters aren't doing. And this is a, I'm a huge believer of this is like, we tend to all kind of fall into the same routines. We all follow the same advice and we all do the same things. Well, If you kind of look at the world from a different perspective, you'll find things outside of the box. A simple version of that is everyone in the world scouts with their map facing north. It's just what we do because it's like it's the default. I like to flip mine, and I'll be looking south. Not only am I looking for north faces this way, but now it's like I see the world from a different perspective than everyone else, and I find little nooks and crannies. So, just a little pro tip: um, look look south when you scout, or just do a little bit of both. Turn your map around one day and clear all your waypoints. Wait pins and and see what you see. see if you notice anything different. Spend some time exploring, just like flying around in that 3D mode and say, oh man, I really like that pocket. And the things I'm looking for are security first, with food and water. That's it. Like, it's not, it's not rocket science. All you gotta do is find a place that the elk can be away from people and it doesn't have to be remote. That's not what I'm saying. You, you find where they can be away from people and have food and water and you're gonna find elk in a good unit. Like, that's, it's not rocket science. So, a uh, little pro tip, turn your maps out. All right, let's summarize our step one, which is all pre-hunt. Everything to do with pre-hunt is step one, is... Get data, get as much data as you can. 99% 99% of people don't do this. I don't know if they're scared to talk to people or what. Gather as much data as you possibly can. This is the difference between hoping to get lucky and actually being successful. Number two is scout. I don't care if it's boots on the ground or it's e-scouting, whatever it is. Spend a stupid amount of time looking at you know the map, looking at maps, trying to figure it out. The most successful hunters in the world all either know an area very, very well, or they spend a ton of time looking at maps. And I know a lot of people that are laddered. They spend a lot of time e-scouting. And they're just trying to figure it out. Right. They got five days to make it happen, which means they got the entire rest of the year to, to look at a map and try to find something that no one else sees or to find that little nook, cranny, whatever it may be, that's going to make the difference for them. Like huge, huge believer in this. Um, and I think going and scouting a unit is, is very, very important. I like to do both. This is not for me like, a, hey, I'm just going to spend as many boots, um, boots on the ground time as I can. But I go and I confirm. Boots on the ground since confirming to me. And I'll look at a map for hours and hours. And then I go confirm, come back to the map. Confirm, come back to the map. And that has like been really huge. But I think I've been on enough hunts now that I know I can show up to a hunt the first day I've ever stepped foot in that unit and be able to find elk within a day or two. Next, we're going to rethink everything. And I said this quote, you know, you know, we question everything except for that which we know. I think if you're hunting an area you've hunted in the past, I think it's really important to rethink everything, to take new data and say, okay, how would I do this with a fresh slate? How would I look at this map, hunt this area, do things different based on new data, right? Uh, thinking outside of the box. That's so, so important. You want to be a successful hunter, you got to think outside of the box because there's a ton of competition out there. Everyone's, you know, driving every road, bugling off every, uh, every hill. Like there's, it's really hard to find those little nooks and crannies to find elk that aren't just tampered with at the end of the day. And so find, try to think outside of the box, do things in a different way. And you'll find a lot more success that way. At least you'll find more at bats. Next is analyze. Are you being effective and efficient? This is so huge. I want you to think about maybe even just in the past, all of your all the ways you execute things. You know, how could you be more efficient with your time and how can you be more effective? What can you do to kind of change your habits or patterns of what you've done in the past? Because if you keep doing what you've always done, you'll get what you always get. So how can we build a better system and analyze how can we be more efficient in the woods once we show up? It's game time like how do we be more efficient and effective Oh, and last, I think uh the biggest obstacle is that which we already know so many of us, if you're the type of person who's been hunting on unit, maybe your dad hunted a unit, whatever it may be i I think that is the biggest hindrance and i've I've hunted with buddies who have hunted the same unit for 10 years. And when I came in and it was like, Hey, how about we just try this or do something a little bit different? It was like, man, why don't we ever think of that? Because we tend to fall into those habits of things we've always done. Uh, but if you want to change how successful you are, maybe you shouldn't do what you've always done. So create a new system, and it starts with all this pre-hunt planning. And I know as you go into season, there's a lot of people that are listening to this right now probably on their way to hunting camp. You know, a lot of that is, is, okay, we don't exactly have that, but I think you could show up day one, start scouting and doing all this, and you should be spending a couple hours a day on your phone e-scouting this looking at what you know just from those maps and developing these hunt plans like you could do this on site you could land day of hunt and start making your hunt plans and just try to figure out how to be more efficient with your your time from getting glassing point to glassing point how are you going to locate elk but we'll dive into you know boots on the ground in the next uh, next video